I would ask you please take your Bibles and uh, turn with me uh, once again to the book of Hebrews. We are once again in Hebrews chapter 12. This will be our last week in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be reading the uh, <clears throat> from verses 25 <clears throat> through the end of the chapter. I want to ask you if you're able, please stand together with me as we read from God's Word. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape uh, when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? And that, and that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. <clears throat> the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, and that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. <clears throat> I, I never knew um, the actor's name. Uh, I'd seen him on television a time or two, but his, his name's William Devane. Maybe you've seen him. And you recognize his name maybe the same way that I do because he comes on this commercial. Seems like it's on all the time. This commercial where he introduces himself at the beginning. Hi, I'm William Devane, you know. And he goes on. And uh, the commercial that he's on, he's trying to get you to invest in silver or especially in gold. I, I don't know the company he's trying to get you to invest with, but he's trying to get you to buy silver or gold. And he talks about why that's important that silver and gold, even though the stock market may you know, go wildly and you could lose maybe all of your money in the stock market, if you invest in silver and gold, you've got something tangible there. And he says, you know, this is the best investment. Um, and he kind of ends the commercial most every time by asking the question, what's in your safe? And the idea of, you know, let's look to your future. Let's get something that is safe and tangible for your future, something that will, something that will last. And you may think about other investments in most people's retirement accounts or maybe invested in the stock market somehow. And we're, we're all mindful, I guess, of the, of the stock market crash of 1929 and how people lost so much, or even in 2008 when it went so far down. I don't know if they would call it a crash or just a major recession or whatever, but in 2008, the, the stock market took a pretty good dive too. And so William Devane would say, uh, you should have put your money in, in tangible things like silver and gold, right, instead of, instead of the stock market. Now, I'm not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, I'm sure it wasn't William Devane. But um, I don't know who the author was, but the author does tell us to consider our future at this point. That's what William Devane is saying. Consider your future. Prepare for your future. Make sure what you got in your safe is able to take care of you. But our author is saying, look to your future. But he's not saying what's in your safe. He's saying, look beyond your retirement to eternity. 
And so he asked, what's in your eternal safe? What is there? Is it something that is going to crash like the stock market? Is it something that could possibly be burned up like silver or gold? What have you put away for your eternal destiny? So this morning he seems to be asking uh, the first century Hebrew Christians as he's asking us, what, what have you put away for your eternal destiny? And this morning I want us to see um, from this passage, uh, kind of how he, how he does that. And we're going to take some of the words directly from the text, kind of for our outline. The first thing he says here, and the first point here is we see in, in verse 25, see to it. See to it. Now, this is important. This is imperative. This is what you're supposed to do. When you begin to prepare for the future, you should pre begin preparing for the future right now. You don't start planning for your retirement the week before you retire. If you do, it's too late, right? And the author of Hebrews is saying you need to see to it. See to it right now. Um, right now is the time. Don't, don't put it off until the future sometime. And this is a favorite phrase of the author of Hebrews is see to it. And what is he telling us to see to in, in preparation here? He says, first of all, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Who is the him who speaks? Well, he's just talked about in verse 24 about the blood of Jesus speaking a better word than the blood of Abel. What is he speaking? Well, he's speaking of a salvation that is provided for us in the blood of Christ Jesus. In uh, the beginning of Hebrews, in chapter 1, we see that Jesus is a superior revelation to the revelation given under the Old Covenant. We see that uh, it, is a, it is a superior revelation of a superior salvation. A salvation that is not dependent on our works, but dependent on the, the grace of God that he has given to us by the works of Christ Jesus. See to it that... Uh, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. This is Jesus speaking the better blood. His blood speaks forgiveness. And we receive that through faith and trusting in his work and his death for our salvation. See to it that you do not refuse this. Um, he goes on in verse 25. If they did not escape, he's talking once again about the old the older covenant with Moses back at the Mount Sinai when, when the law is given. And you remember the scene we talked about last week where there's thunder and lightning and the mountain smoking and the earth is shaking. And they're told, you don't go near that. And at the end, they're shaking in their boots and their knees are knocking together. And they tell Moses, don't ever let him talk to us again, please. You go and you bring it back to us. Well, he said, he, he reminds us that God had given them the law there from the earth. He's saying, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Jesus, the word incarnate, has come from heaven and he has given us uh, the message of his grace. To refuse the incarnate word is a most serious thing he is telling us here. 
in, under the older covenant, when they, when they got the word of God from Mount Sinai and they rejected it by doing the things he told them not to do or not doing the things he told them to do, they were punished. He says, how much more? Getting this word from, from heaven, this, the word of God come from heaven to speak to us the grace of God and speak to us in his blood. How much more will you not be um, uh, disciplined? How much more will you, you will not escape. You will not escape God's wrath if you refuse him. Can you imagine going to someone that, that you loved and you wanted to express this love to them and you thought, what can I do? And so you planned and you planned and you thought, uh, and you went to the greatest expense you could. You said, I'm going to give everything that I can. I'm not going to spare anything and I'm going to sacrifice in order to do this. There's a lot of things I would rather do with this money, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them how much I love them by, by doing this for them and giving my all to them. And you go and, you, and you're so excited to be able to show them and express your love in this way. And then you go and you present it to them. They say, ah, no, thank you. How are you going to feel? Think about the love that God has shown for us. The most well-known Bible verse in all Scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can you imagine giving your children or a child of yours so that somebody else could live? And then they would come and say, oh, no, thank you. I'll, I'll take care of it myself. What an offense that would be to you. I have already given my all. I have given my child for you. And God says, I have given my one and only son for you. My son whom I loved. And I have given him and I have poured my wrath out on him so that you could be saved. And you just say, no thank you, I'll do it myself. I'll do it my own way. I'll be good enough. That's rejecting that is rejecting the, the, the good news. That is rejecting uh, what he has spoken to us from heaven. How is God going to respond to us simply saying, no, thank you. I don't need Jesus. I don't want Jesus. I can do it and I will do it myself. Is that your response to the gracious gift that God has given us in his son? I'll do it myself. I'll be good enough. Or is it instead to say, I can't do it myself. I'm so incredibly indebted and grateful to think that you have done it for me in Christ Jesus. And so instead of saying, I'll do it myself, we joyfully Receive him. That's what he's telling us here. See to it that you do not refuse this word that he speaks, this word of grace that all that he's required of you, he's provided for you in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on uh, to begin with uh, looking to our future. He's saying, first of all, see to it. See to it right now that you do not refuse him who speaks, that you have not refused the grace that he's given us in his blood. Secondly, um, he talks about what can be shaken um, in verse 26. At that time, his voice uh, shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. 
Um, on Sinai, as you recall, the earth, the earth shook. And uh, that was a very scary thing for those people. Um, a couple months ago, there was this large earthquake, you recall, out in California. And uh, I immediately, as I heard of it, it text both my children to see what, you know, if, if they were harmed in any way, if they were okay. Well, Duncan's down in San Diego. He said, didn't even feel it. And Bethan uh, up uh, in a southern uh, suburb of Los Angeles said, yes, I felt it very big. The curtains shook and the door shook. And all I could do after that was grab my children up and hug them. It was a scary thing. So you can imagine being at the foot of Mount Sinai and, and seeing the lightning and the, the smoke coming up and, the, and hearing the thunder and the earth shaking. It was an awesome thing. Well, that's what he's talking about here, that the, that, that the earth shook there. And he's saying, but there's going, to become an, there's going to come another shaking. And he quotes from uh, Habakkuk here, I think it is, that uh, there's going to be an, another shaking yet to come. Now, the idea of shaking, what's that all about? Well, you know, when uh, back in the day, uh, in biblical times, when they would cut the, the wheat and stuff and for, for the wheat harvest, and they would have these great big sieves, these great big screens, you know, that, that they, and they had the handles around them. And they would put all the, the cut wheat on there, and they would, they would shake it around and trying to get the, the uh, stuff that wasn't important to fall down through it. And they'd take it and throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow all the trash away. And the only thing that would remain after they were done, were done would, would be the seeds of, of wheat that are there. Everything else has gone away. And that's what the shaking is about. God is shaking the earth, and when he shakes the earth, he, he takes out certain stuff that doesn't need to be there. You remember the flood. That was definitely a shaking of the earth, wasn't it? When the flood, when God uh, restored uh, only Noah and his family, certainly there was major changes going on. Uh, at Babel, uh, you know, where they said, we'll, we'll, we'll do it ourselves. We'll all stay here in this one city and just build this great big tower. And God confuses their language, certainly brings about major changes and spreading them out into all the earth, which God told us to do in the creation mandate. And we've seen other shakings like this uh, throughout history. But the author of Hebrews says there's going to be another shaking. There's going to be another shaking. Verse 27, so the words once more indicate the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. He's saying, and he's quoting from the Old Testament here, he's saying there's, there's yet another shaking to, to happen. And when this shaking happens, all of the created things are gone. That gold you've got in your safe, preparing you for your future, and you think you're secure now because of it, it's gone. It's burned up. Look at this. Every, every author in the New Testament writes about this in different places. Uh, the author of Hebrews, back in chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, he says, um, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. 
um, in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. John writes, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. <laughs> um, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. Our Lord Jesus uh, on the uh, Olivet Discourse talks about it. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 35, he said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. <laughs> and so what are, what are we to do with this? What are we to do with this knowledge that everything that he, is here, there's another shaking coming, and this other shaking that God is going to bring means that all the material world is gone. It's destroyed. What's going to last? Jesus reminds us, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, we read these words. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. All that we see around us, all the material world, all those things that we long for so often and that we maybe live for, all the things in the material world is going to be gone. And if that's what you're living for, you're, you're, that, that seems to be insanity. And that's what the author of Hebrews is, is telling us here. Why are you living for these things? It's going to be shaken and it's going to be gone. You know, you never see an armored car following a hearse to a funeral, do you? There's a reason for that. You know what? All that you've accumulated in this life, once you die, it really doesn't matter that much, does it? What can be shaken, the author of Hebrews is telling us here, don't refuse, first of all, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Do not refuse this salvation that he's given us in Christ Jesus. That's where our focus needs to be. That's where we need to find our true treasure. Don't put it where it can be shaken and destroyed because that time is coming and everything that is here, the only thing that can't be shaken is the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. You, you need to put your treasure there. Put your treasure there. And then verse 28. He goes on. Let us, because of this, because we are not refusing him who speaks, and because we are putting our treasure uh, in, uh, in things that can't be shaken. Verse 28. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what are we to do? Let us, there it is, there are the words, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. 
let us first of all be thankful. <laughs> Are you thankful for what you have in Christ? Are you thankful for the fact that you're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken? If you're a child of God, this is your kingdom. That you're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. You have that in Christ Jesus and you received all the, uh, all the blessings in the heavenly realm are yours. The inheritance that is Christ is yours if you are in Christ. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that you know that when our Lord returns and the, the, the kingdom is consummated in Christ Jesus and we see all the benefits of it there in the last two chapters of Revelation, the wonderful aspects of that, no more sorrow, no sickness, no pain, all the former things have gone and we will be able to see Jesus face to face. We'll be with him and with the Father forever glorifying him together with the saints. What a wonderful thing. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful? that that's the kingdom you're a part of because you're in Christ? Or let's put on the other side, are you more resentful for what you don't have here on earth? Which, which is most important to you? The fact that we have been given these incredible riches and glory in, in Christ Jesus or the fact that we don't have necessarily everything that we would like to have here on earth? And so when we pray, we're not saying, Lord, thank you for all the blessings you have given me. We're saying, Lord, give me this, give me that. Those are really more important to me. Author of Hebrews saying, let us be thankful that we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so the first thing, be thankful for the kingdom that we have received in Christ Jesus. And secondly, he says, let us Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We, uh, the way we try to worship God is this, this, we try to look at the Bible and say, and look at it where God says, this is how I want you to worship me. It's called the regulative principle. That's just a big fancy word for, for saying that we worship God with what he's told us to do to worship him. We don't want to add things into worship that God hasn't told us to do. Um, we don't look at his word and say we, we, we can include anything that he hasn't told us not to do. Right? So he hasn't told us not to use puppets in worship. He hasn't told us not to do the, uh, the Holy Spirit hokey pokey. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It seems to me to be an abomination, but there are these groups that go around and, and are doing worship, and they've got the whole congregation standing, and they're all doing the hokey pokey. Put your right foot in, take your left right foot out. Supposedly, somehow, this is bringing honor to God. His word hasn't told us anywhere not to do that. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, I don't see the reverence or awe of worshiping God that way. You see, God is a consuming fire. And when we come to worship him, we need to remember that he is a consuming fire. And that we are to worship him as he has told us to worship him. Not simply in a way that we might think is most pleasing to us, 
told you the story not too long ago of the congregate going out of the worship service and stopped to talk to the pastor and says, well, I really didn't get a lot out of worship today. And the pastor responded, well, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you anyway. That's, that's the truth, right? We're here to worship God, and if we're going to worship Him, we need to worship Him in the ways He has told us to worship Him. We worship Him with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We worship Him with prayer. We worship Him with the reading and the preaching of His Word. We worship Him with the sacraments that He's given us to worship Him with. This is the way... We worship God, not introducing new and novel things in our worship that uh, would be more appealing to us, maybe. We worship him the way he's told us to say, this is what brings glory to God. And so that's what we try to do in worship. We're to worship God in reverence and awe, recognizing that he is a consuming fire. When we add our own little innovations, it becomes Leviticus chapter 10, where uh, Nadab and Abihu decide to worship him through the giving of strange fire. And God is not pleased. And he winds up taking their lives as a result. It is not to us to determine how God is to be worshipped. It's for us to see how he's told us to worship him in his word. For he is a consuming fire. And he's to be worshipped in, in reverence and awe. And so this morning, as the author of Hebrews looks to the future, looks to the future and he tells us that we, uh, we need to see to it. We need to see to it that we're not refusing him who speaks and, the, and the, the speaking of the grace that he's given us in Christ Jesus and the blood of Jesus who speaks a better word than the word of Abel. It's a, it's a word of forgiveness. We need to see to it that we don't re refuse that, but that we accept it and that we joyously look to the kingdom of God, that kingdom which cannot be shaken. And that would be where we focus our attention for our future. And that we, as a result of recognizing that we've been given this kingdom, that we would come and, and give thanks and worship God. In, uh, in reverence and in awe. And so this morning, uh, the question that William Devane ends his commercial with, what's in your safe? What do you have stored away for all eternity? We need to mind the words of the author of Hebrews here and the words of Jesus to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Well, let's pray.